Welcome, listeners, to another fantastic episode of Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. This is Richard, and I'm at Phoenix Comic Con in beautiful downtown Phoenix. I'm here with John Schnepp, who, hey, you may know this guy. And uh, just to let you know that you probably do, I'm going to let John kind of tell you what he's done, where he's come from, and where you'd know his stuff. Hey, what's going on, man? Hey. Good to be here. Good to be here with Enjoying you. Phoenix Comic Con. We're sitting uh, just at the edge of this uh, Hall C, overlooking a ton of people walking around in cosplay. I saw a really cool Mysterio. I saw an ancient uh, Lone Ranger. Oh, that's incredible. I've seen some really amazing Fallout 3 outfits, <laughs> like 400,000 Harley Quinns in various forms of undress. Um, it's been awesome. Maybe a couple hundred uh, Deadpools. Yeah, and, various Deadpools. And one Mad Max Tutu Man. <clears throat> I, I have not seen the Mad Max Tutu Man. There's been a lot of original <laughs> cool mashups I've seen. So it's, uh, it's been really good. It's pretty badass. So uh, tell our listeners where they would know you from. Yeah, so, you know, if you've seen uh, a lot of Adult Swim shows, I worked on a ton of them. I used to edit Space Ghost Coast to Coast and then moved on to working on Aqua Teen Hunger Force. I designed their house, their Carl's Pool. I did a lot of their background designs. Did the voice of the Wisdom Cube. Then <laughs> nice. moved on and uh, designed the characters of Death Clock, like Murder Face and Nathan. Pickles. Basically, yeah, the whole band. And uh, helped uh, make that show become a reality by producing and directing all four seasons. So I'm, I edited all the music videos for the concert sequences and kind of came up with the premises for them. And it was just a lot of fun. I worked on that for eight years. In between that, I did a couple episodes of Marvel's Black Panther for Marvel. Oh, wow. Um, and then I also did uh, uh, Venture Brothers Season 4. I went and co-directed that with Jackson Public. Uh, you know, did a little pinch hitting for him. That's amazing. And uh, and then went on to uh, do The Death of Superman Lives, What Happened. I directed that and uh, produced it with uh, my partner and fiance, Holly Payne. So we went ahead and worked on that for two and a half years and... Uh, it was a lot of work, but uh, we're very proud of it, and uh, we've released it ourselves. You can go to tdoslwh.com and get a Blu-ray or get a digital copy. It's available there. Um, it's also on Showtime for the next couple of months. And that's something that uh, the listeners who uh, have followed through all of our episodes will have heard. Um, first me and then uh, Will and myself talking about that we both watched this, and, and, you, and you really did dig into some amazing stuff that people wouldn't have known about this movie that they thought, oh, there's only a couple still photos and there's really nothing else. And you yeah. uncovered a wealth of information on this movie that never got made. Yeah. How did it, it start? Uh, just interest in the concept art that I saw online over the early 2000s. And so it was always there and ended up uh, meeting Steve Johnson, who designed the electric suit. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I was talking with friends after I met him and they said, wow, you're really interested in this. Why don't you make a documentary? I was like, I don't make documentaries. And someone else was like, you could do it on Kickstarter. I'd raise some money to make uh, uh, an animated short for Grim Fairy Tales the year before okay. on Kickstarter. And uh, we delivered that to everybody. And uh, I said, all right, I'll try it. And uh, we raised the money. And then uh, 
Holly and I worked on it for you know two, like two and a half years with uh, several other talented artists, uh, compositor Chris Grable, uh, editor Marie Hamora, producer Rob Pierce. So very small crew of people. Um, a lot of different special effects people at animators came in towards the end and helped get all the you know recreation scenes and animations done. And of course, we did a color correction and post process and right. all that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, it was literally. Two and a half years and a lot of hard work, and we're very proud of it. So, so what were some of the big surprises that came along that you really didn't expect? Super giant big surprise number one: Christopher Walken is Brainiac. When we saw, <laughs> when we first even hearing Tim talk about it, like what? Christopher Walken? That would have been amazing. You know, yeah. it was Kevin Spacey and Christopher Walken, because Kevin Spacey does a great Christopher Walken impersonation. He, he does. And then so that all of a sudden made me want to see that two-headed Brainiac more than ever. I was like, I want to see, I want to see Kevin Spacey and. You know, Christopher Walken's heads <laughs> combined like the Incredible Two had a transplant arguing with each other. And I know that's not the modern grim version of, you know, everything's raining. You know, it's right. like everything's dark. It's, you know, who's who's out to destroy the entire planet? You know, this would have been like, I'm out to destroy the entire planet. <laughs> or I don't know if it would have been that goofy, but right. would have had some fun. I mean, come on. It's Kevin Spacey and, and uh, Christopher Walken. You know, they would have been arguing. Oh. I don't know what level of what if it, if it would have been irritating to watch them argue or if right. it would have been the best thing ever. But uh, then when I saw some of the, you know, artwork concept designs for Brainiac, he looked really cool. Like you saw Tim Burton's, you know, sketches, and you're like, right. I had to kind of get a weird idea from it. But then those get extrapolated by, you know, detailed concept artists, and then you're like, oh, I can now I can actually see this could be really cool. Him having this weird spider body. So that was one of the biggest surprises. Second biggest surprise was just that footage of Nick Cage in the various different Superman outfits over the course of two years. Right. And him and Tim talking about their ideas and concepts for not only Clark Kent, but Kal-El, what it would be to be a Kryptonian, what it would it be like to have these kinds of superpowers. So all that kind of stuff was such an insight and a different, a total flip from like the perspective that even I had, like what the, what they would have done. So right. seeing that kind of version of what could have been made me really wish they made the film. Right, and it and it seemed that um, Superman is very important to Nicolas Cage. Like he takes Superman very personally, and it was something he was very interested and excited to make. Yeah, and uh, I imagine that was some heartbreak for him. Did you talk to anyone else uh, who was really disappointed, uh, uh, who got very far in it? Well, I mean, John Peters, yeah. Tim Burton. I mean, everyone involved was really disappointed it didn't get made because all of them put a lot of time and effort into trying to make something different and unique and a Superman that hadn't been seen yet so you know I mean ultimately it kind of uh, got rebooted with uh, the Superman 2 kind of homage to Richard Donner Superman Returns movie right. that Brian Singer did and then that didn't pan out as well and then they did another reboot with Man of Steel most recently um, and that's you know definitely a different Superman so I mean I think for the people who are like I'm, I grew up with the Fortress of Solitude you know the crystalline thing and I'm like sort of like I love those movies. I just don't. I don't want to keep seeing that. I sort of felt like I would be cool to see a newer version of that. So, I don't know. There's a lot of things from Man of Steel that I think are great. I mean, I really like that film. I think it's a. It's the the first Superman movie, a birth of Superman as he becomes Superman. But he was right. only Superman for like one day, you know. So, I was really looking forward to seeing a sequel. And right. now it's like five years later, we still haven't really seen a, a Man of Steel two or any, you know. 
Yeah. We've seen Batman v Superman, but that wasn't Superman's movie. Right. That was, it was like not even really Batman's movie. It was like just kind of like, here's a whole bunch of stuff. Here's a, here's a, a property. Of, here's a bunch of scenes. Right. I, I wish it was better. There yeah. are moments in it that are incredible, but unfortunately for myself, even with the extended edition, director's cut, you know, or whatever it's called, the ultimate edition, I mean, it corrects a lot of issues that I had, but it still keeps even bigger issues that I had with it, like the whole African gun thing with Lex Luthor and all these sequences that could have just been cut out completely. They were, right. And they were, you know. Uh, but anyway, that's my opinion. Um, you know, I haven't watched it again recently since that Ultimate Cut came out, which I've seen, you know, twice, which I thought, you know, it improved it to the point where I was like, wow, it felt like a better movie. Mm-hmm. And it even felt shorter, even though it's longer. Yeah. Just because it didn't, it, it was smoother and everything kind of, made more sense even within its own story logic it just was allowed to make more sense but superman kind of got shortchanged on that too and then they've like crammed in the death of superman yeah so you know like with with where you saw superman lives that was also gonna have the death of superman in it so they've been wanting to do that since you know 1993 when they the comic came out they're like we want to see that and then cut to 2016 we saw it yeah i mean it's pretty it's amazing that it's like wow this you know we finally saw the death of Superman, and I, did, I had no idea they were going to cram that into the end of the movie. Right. All of Doomsday, all that, <laughs> everything that should have been its own separate movie is literally crammed into like 15 minutes of explosive destruction. And right. like, Did they just kill Superman? There's credits. You're like, what, right. what am <laughs> I watching? This is insane. You're watching a checklist getting, yeah. getting ticked off. And then, <laughs> so my fear with the Just League is it's just another checklist, man. It's yeah. another like, now he's got to come back and they're going to have to fight him. You right. know, like the video game, he's evil and all this other. And then he's going to be good again, but then it's over. Right. And you're like, I still didn't get a Superman movie. And it's like, how long are we gonna have to wait to actually see a Superman movie from the beginning? He's Superman, and he's still Superman at the end. Like we're only asking for ninety minutes. Supergirl has had more Superman in it <laughs> than the Superman <laughs> movies. Like, and he's a cool Superman. I like that Superman. Right. That's in the Supergirl like episodes. There's three of them now. So now here's something that I know some of our listeners may be a little invested in because uh, we brought this up before. Plural of Superman. What is that? Supermens. No, I don't know. <laughs> Supermen. Super Superman, Superman, Superman. Okay, so if if someone if someone sits down a Batman action figure on your table, right, and then sits down two more, is it Batman's, um, or Batman? It's Batman, and then there's those, his different outfits. There can't be like three Batmans. You just said it. You said yeah. Batman's. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, the I plural think... of it would be Batman's, okay. but that means there can't be more than one. Oh, there's too many Batmans there. There can only be one Batman. See, there we have it. Yeah. I think we settled it finally for anyone yeah. who was wondering. Now, we talked a little bit um, before about uh, something you're working on that's coming up. Uh, are you allowed to say much about this? Yeah, I mean, I'm, in, I'm in production on a, a series that I'm working on with Holly Payne. Uh, it's uh, like our movie, The Death of Superman Lives, What Happened. It's a series of episodes, each one is concentrating on a movie that never got made. So mm-hmm. it's a movie that we're interested in. We went out and talked to the artists and writers and producers and directors for each of these films. And uh, we're, we're working on it right now. We're in post and uh, we're still shooting a few, uh, a few interviews uh, this month, but uh, we're, we're in a post now for the next three months and uh, looking to debut it in uh, maybe probably October, November of this year. And oh, it's for Comic-Con great. HQ. So uh, check out Comic-Con HQ, definitely subscribe to it. And uh, the series should be coming on in about five or six months. Uh, we're going to be doing a presentation, I believe, at San Diego Comic-Con oh, great. in about two months. So, Does it have a working title or an official name yet? Yeah, it does. It's called What Happened. So, what Happened. Yeah. All right. That's great. Yeah, so uh, that's what we've been working on. And, uh, 
you know, obviously I've done a couple of uh, movies like the ABCs of death. I did a segment for that called W is for what the fuck. That's uh, <laughs> right. it's like ABCs of death. It's a through Z. There's a short segment. So it's of the alphabet. Oh, great. So I got W. And so I made this crazy short and it was, it was a lot of fun. I've done a few other things, uh, you know, in the horror genre and, uh, I'm really looking forward to expanding out and doing a feature film. So that's the next thing. I've got like two different uh, scripts I've been working on to uh, try to get uh, produced as a feature film. So that's my next thing that I'm going to try to make uh, in the you know the, the real world. You know, I've got a lot right. of side projects. Like on Kickstarter right now, I'm publishing my first verse novel, which is this crazy chemical poetry book that I've been working on for like the last 25 years. I started right. working on it literally when I was living in Chicago. May, I was used to, that's my main thing. I was like writing these weird theatrical performance pieces, and I started writing this crazy book. It's like a self-help book made my by extreme brain neurosurgeon guys who don't oh, do any man. kind of real operation, but it's all all told through poetry and like trying to change your mind through thinking through weird like dimensions and stuff. It's totally insane. Um, I've had so much fun working on it. I was like, you know what? I finally finished it. And I need to just get it out there. So I was like, why not throw it on Kickstarter? And, uh, you know, people who like me and all the other weird things that I've done will probably, hey, you, you'll get a kick out of this. I'll offer it to you first. And you can pick it up at San Diego Comic-Con. You know, it's like I'm going to make a very limited amount printed, signed, have a different uh, cover for them specific to San Diego Comic-Con. And those are available. If you're, anyone listening is interested, you can go to Kickstarter, type in John Schnepp, J-O-N-S-C-H-N-E-P-P. It's called Isolated Mutations of the Assembly Line Baby. You said it. Yeah. Great. It's a totally crazy book, and uh, you won't regret ordering it. It's a pre-order. That's how I'm look at looking at uh, Kickstarter as a good way for artists to, you know, gauge their their work. Like, hey, you know, I have to see how many I should print. Right. So. Well, that's great. Um, I, I should uh, ask you about like the foundations of, of uh, what you do. Like from the time you were a kid, I'm sure that there were a lot of things that you were really into. Where did this all start for you, as far as what you read, what you watched, what you were into? Wow, well, I mean, being at a Comic-Con, you know, right now is, is, I love being at Comic-Cons. I'm surrounded by people who love all the cool things that I'm into, science fiction, fantasy, comic books, Like-minded people. Yeah, so it's, when I first started going to comic book conventions, I was 12, and I went to my first one in New Haven Coliseum. It was a creation convention for Star Trek. Oh, wow. And they had previews of Dune and Blade Runner and Conan <laughs> and all this mad Star Trek Wrath of Khan too. And I was like, oh my God, I'm in heaven. Like George Takai was there, and uh, Walter Koenig was wow. there. I met all them, and uh, you know George Takai was like, "Would anyone like to go jogging with me? <laughs> I'm going to be jogging on Sunday morning." And I was like, "No, check off, I'm fat. I don't want to jog, but that's awesome." That's oh, I'm sorry, not check off Sulu. Yeah, so it's like, and I believe somewhere I have a, a signed picture of I believe it's Sulu shooting a Klingon. I drew it, and I was like, "Would you sign this for me?" So I think Ch George Takai. Signed my Sulu shooting a Klingon, which would be, he wouldn't do that. Well, you and, realize I would uh, never shoot a Klingon. That's right. Dueling Takai's. <laughs> that's right. I would not shoot a Klingon. Well, if I was in self-defense, I might wound him. I, my my Takai is horrible. I'm going to switch over to Worf. <laughs> that's right. I don't, I can't do Worf either. So it's like, <laughs> Captain, Captain, I need to go take a shit. Captain. <laughs> yeah. I'll warm my wharf up. I, I could probably do Barney Fife better than any, any <laughs> other voice. Let's hear it. Like, Let's oh. hear it. Well, you know, if I had to, I could shoot a Klingon. I'd only have one chance, though. Captain, how did Barney Fife get on our ship? Hey, look, you beamed me aboard. What are you going to do? Beam him off. <laughs> Teleport activated. <laughs> Barney Fife in outer space. 
<laughs> explode. I would say this is probably not by a long shot the nerdiest conversation that has happened in this building. <laughs> well, it should be happening. We're at a Comic-Con, so. Yeah, right. so I mean, that's what I've been doing. I've been like, working on this documentary series. I want to get my book published. Of course, I do Collider Movie Talk, and I do Collider Heroes every right. Tuesday, live at 1 o'clock. It's on YouTube. I've been doing that for about, almost five years solid now. I did my very first show, uh, like I believe it was like two weeks before the Avengers premiered. Oh wow! And uh, or maybe it was two weeks after the Avengers premiere. I can't remember, but um, I saw the Avengers, and you know, I found out that Guardians of the Galaxy was going to be the next movie, and I was like, "Are you crazy? Are you joking? I couldn't believe it." <laughs> and then I was like, "Wow, that actually makes sense. It's the entrance way to the cosmic universe of Marvel cinematically." So uh, that's when I met Campion uh, when it was called uh, AMC for Your Consideration. It was like oh. it was in its first month, and I came on as a guest. I think they had fifteen thousand viewers a month at that time. Uh, I started coming back as a regular. Uh, people started watching it more and more as a, you know, not just me, but they kept doing more episodes and they started running them. I think it was like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then it became uh, it became pretty popular, like 500,000 views after the first, but by the end of the year, and then it became a daily show in 2014, um, and we moved over to a place called the Stream and we're shooting it there for about a year and a half, and that was great. 2014, 2000. Uh, at part of I think 2015, we switched over because we had issues. Uh, you know, there were some uh, you know change-ups with AMC movie theaters. So mm -hmm. Collider.com kind of came in and like, hey, we'll run this. Oh, so man. that's why I became Collider.com, Collider Movie Talk. It, it happened over the July Fourth weekend. I left and the set was red. Came back, the set was green. And I was I remember joking. <laughs> I was like, just paint it green, man. That's easy. Come back, it was totally green. I was like, hey, <laughs> I wasn't, not, yeah. wasn't wrong. I wasn't joking. I was half joking, but it totally did work. So. Um, yeah, and Collider's been great. Collider opened up, because uh, with AMC Movie Talk, we were really literally relegated to talking about movies, right. you know, and how things, other things relate to movies, but I couldn't really talk about television, I couldn't really talk about comic books, or really anything. And now with Heroes, and even Movie Talk, and you know, you have TV Talk and all these derivations, Movie Talk, you still talk about movies. With Heroes, I talk about everything. Right. Like everything related to superheroes, fantasy, sci-fi action adventure i even bring in horror so i feel like it's kind of like that's a kind of the the most fun show that i enjoy doing because it's like the biggest breadth of different um you know pop culture things that everyone's mm -hmm. into including uh the people here at phoenix comic-con so even niche things niche things that people are into here uh will become eventually either giant large pop culture icons or just what they are niche right things. so which um, either one's fine yeah you know? that's what i mean I, that's the greatest thing about uh, being in this whole world, so like every person I've ever told about Metalocalypse has uh, either known exactly what it was and loved it, or said that sounds incredible. I'm going to check it out. Oh, sweet! And uh, I got to say, your character design was amazing. And uh, did you have free reign to do that, uh, or did you have to? Did you have a lot of committee thinking that uh, kind of? Uh, killed your buzz on that one yeah no the, the greatest thing about working with uh tommy blatchett who's a great friend of mine and mm -hmm. he was one of my third roommates in college um and brendan small is like you know tommy knew me as, a, as an artist and as an animator because i'd already worked on space ghost and aqua Teen, mm -hmm. so and he knew my design sensibility and stuff and he was like hey i want to i want you to design the characters here's a reference folder of like hundreds of death metal images and bands and stuff like that so i was like clicking through and looking at different bands and you know, okay, like certain ones I was I was familiar with, certain ones I was not familiar with. Like I wasn't like a big death metal right. head at the time. I was in re just regular heavy metal, mm -hmm. you know, like Sabbath or Dio, or Maiden, or yeah. Judas Priest, or a whole bunch of like, you know, modern heavy metal, you know, and then, you know, black metal, death metal. 
was new and it was like I really just clicked into it. I love the power and the energy and the rawness yeah. of it. So I started going to the concerts and just getting into it. Uh, just like Brendan and Tommy had been doing the years previous. Right. So I started going to all these shows. I really got into Behemoth. that really became one of my favorite bands. And uh, I'm really more into the dirge dark metal, like doom metal. So right. um, I found, you know, like what I really, you know, really dig. And uh, it was great. So I had total freedom to design the characters however I wanted. And that's what I did. Like, I designed Murderface in one drawing, and it never changed. Oh, wow. And I still have the original. All the original designs, pencil <laughs> designs, I have those. Which I'll be selling for $50,000 someday in the future. <laughs> right. But uh, there's, the great thing about it is there's not a lot of drawings. There's literally 12 drawings. Right. You got right to the point on it. Yeah. I literally recently like kind of took pictures of them all and gave them to somebody who might help me sell them. So they're literally only 12 drawings of the original, like what Death Clock originally looked like. Right. And then I did these drawings of uh, Nathan and Squisgar. His hair changed. Instead of being parted on the side, uh -huh. once we went to series, we parted it in the middle. Oh. That's pretty much the only change oh. in his design. Uh, Toki, no change. And, uh, uh, of course, Murderface, Nathan, Squisgar, Toki. So Pickles is the only one who changed. Pickles, I gave him spiky hair because I wanted him to look a little bit more Demu Burger, kind of like yeah. a little bit more modern-y black metal. Mm -hmm. And he had the spikes and all that kind of stuff. And uh, so that originally I did like a Death Clock um, little uh, animation and that Brendan had his Death Clock theme song, which was sounded a lot more queenish, right? More queen to it uh, in the original music. And uh, uh, we sent that off to Adult Swim and they loved it and they bought it. Oh, man. So, um, yeah. So then Brendan and Tommy kind of like went on like a little like couple of comedy tours and played like three songs and used those videos and played those videos. And then... There was like six months of them working out contracts. And so then we literally started work on the series. All three of us knew uh, this one guy, Chris Pranowski, who had a small company called Titmouse at the time. Mm -hmm. They had just, they had just in, you know, got a bigger space, but the, the show they were working on kind of fell through. So they were like, we need a, 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 a you know, series to work on in this giant space we just bought. And we were like, hey, we all think you're cool, and we'd love to work with you, and all three of us know you, and let's let's make Metalocalypse here. So we brought Metalocalypse to Titmouse, and they kind of like built out their sound studio and editing stuff and all their animation bays in there with with Metalocalypse. So mm -hmm. it was kind of fun to really help some pals like you know grow their company to this next level thing, which it's now it's like premier animation studio. They've got a studio in New York and Canada and they're winning Emmys and it's I'm <laughs> I'm super proud of my friends. So yeah. it's a, it's always a, an honor to, you know, have been a part of that. So that's kinda how we started doing Metalocalypse was over at Titmouse and I literally uh, directed three episodes. Chris P would direct one, I would direct three, he would direct one. So that's how the first and second season kind of ran. Second season, Chris P got totally wrapped up doing other episodes for other shows. So a, a talented uh, storyboard artist who we had been working with who was already a director in his own right, Mark Brooks, kind of came in to direct one, I direct three, he direct one. So that's how the second season ran. Each of those seasons was about a year and a half to almost two years. So I worked on seasons one and two almost continuously with I did all the DVD special features too for almost four years mm -hmm. then I jumped off and directed uh, Venture Brothers season four then came back and directed season th three of, of Metalux <laughs> so it's like it was a lot of, of heavy work because directing is like being in charge of all the different aspects like meeting with the script writers going over the scripts taking those thumbnailing out storyboards then working with the storyboard artists at the same time going to the records with the with the writers and recording the voiceovers and then 
listening to the edits, working with the editors. They have cuts of your rough cut, then taking the storyboards and marrying those with the rough cut radio play, and that becomes an animatic. And then going over costume designs and character designs and background designs with the art director who's in charge of all these designers. So it was like this constant every day. You'd look at you know video dailies once a show was in production. You'd have it was done in flash. So my day was like having dailies, going in for about an hour, looking at all the shots, making notes, making corrections on those. And then since all of our animators were in-house, they could do those that night, and then I'd see dailies the next day. So we'd have corrections and brand new animation every day. Mm -hmm. And then other episodes were in the pipeline, so I'd be seeing storyboards or characters or edits of other episodes. So I was always working on three to four episodes at any given time. Man, that's a lot of work. Yeah. Well, I got to say, though... does it feel less like work than, than you know what the first the first two seasons were a complete joy you yeah. know everybody was cool no one you know no one's ego was too giant yet and it was just literally like one of the you know the most exciting and creative things i've ever done i'm super proud of yeah. metalocalypse and you I, should be i think that's why it lives on because everyone was firing at full pistons and everything was just beautiful i mean it was literally yeah. one of those things that i looked forward to an episode because i was like what song am i going to get from brendan yeah. that I could make an amazing music video yeah. for. So it was like every episode always had this really cool creative juice busting out of it. And it's like for myself, I had total freedom because, you know, I was trusted. They were like, look, you just do your schnep thing. And that's what I did. Right. And they would just not even fill in the script. It would be like schnep does to the music video. They wouldn't write They would like let me do, visualize it come up with all the crazy visuals for the music videos it was just a lot of fun and, so, they, are, I mean, and they are stunning i gotta thanks, say man. man that's some really good work and uh brendan could have he could have stopped with home movies and i would have thought that that guy's a genius sure he's great and when that came out and i saw his name on the credits i said wow this is this a is a whole him. different side of him yeah and then i realized the rocker character in home movies is actually him sure i mean i i think he's the kid but then yeah. i find out he's actually the metalhead yeah so there you have it with him now, I know we don't have forever right now, but um, I do want to encourage our listeners to uh, find all of the aforementioned things you've worked on. And yeah, look, I can it, tell you where to find it. ABCs of Death is on Netflix. Uh, mm-hmm. All four seasons of Metalocalypse are on Hulu. Yes. Uh, my movie is on Showtime, or you can get the Blu-ray, which has eight hours of extra features, more Kevin Smith, more John Peters, more Tim Burton, more special effects, featurette of an hour-long featurette deleted scenes you know when you're doing a documentary there's stuff that just branches off that doesn't yeah. fit into the storyline but it's still incredible so we we edited everything and just kind of were able to make these amazing special feature bonus features so if you dig the movie check out the blu-ray it's like crammed with more than any other blu-ray i've ever seen it's like literally the film plus eight and a half hours yeah. of finished content so you can get that at tdoslwh.com uh, you can get the Blu-ray there, or you can bo- buy a digital version of it there as well. Um, and go to my Kickstarter and, and help me make this crazy book. It's called Isolated Mutations of the Assembly Line Baby. That's a tongue twister. It's not easy to say, but check it out. It's uh, all these crazy um, verse novel poems that I wrote that all com- you know combine into this crazy uh, story. So, Man, that's great. I'm glad that you put all that information out there because I think everybody should check out all of this. And... Me personally, I now own your Blu-ray, and I'm going to be uh, talking about it on future shows. Oh, like thanks, man. All those extra features and everything. And uh, I'm 
long overdue for a Metalocalypse rewatch because I have all those DVD sets at home. Definitely. Yeah, my, one of my favorite episodes is uh, uh, from the third season is uh, where Murderface has to go to the doctor, and it's just <laughs> some, some craziness goes on there. But uh, yeah, I was going to say, you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram just at John Schnapp, J-O-N-S-C-H-N-E-P-P. So oh, if you cool. want to follow me there, I'm always posting what I'm doing and where what conventions I'm going to be at and what I'm up to. So Cool. Well, the uh, Chewing the Scenery Instagram is Chewing the Scenery, and... Uh, and our followers can uh, find that, and they'll see that that we follow you, and then it'll be easy to find you. Right on. If they can't spell, they can just you know <laughs> just look. click on this thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so easy. It is. So goddamn easy. So, uh, well, let's get back to the show. And uh, thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate it. And uh, if I see it another one of these things, we'll catch up again and see uh, where things have gone since. Oh yeah, I'll definitely. I'm, I'll come back to Phoenix Comic Con. I love it here. So awesome, man. All right, take care. Take care. Thank you.